unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my started, please. It's time. All right, we need to get started if we can, please, tonight. Let's, uh, let's begin with a prayer tonight, okay? All right, that worked good. Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First, Second, 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 First, First, Jesus loves me. 
Before we continue, if you need to protect the Lord's Supper tonight, you're encouraged to go right now to the uh, nursery, I'm uh, nursery, the uh, little chapel, if you are not able to partake this morning, and you'll be served. Peter said to them, Peter said to 
start all over since I didn't have my mic. This is a reminder for the uh, 7th through college age young ladies. Uh, the Leoma Church of Christ is having a young ladies day this coming Saturday the 19th. Uh, please see Carrie Parsons if you're interested. Uh, the van is going to leave here at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning. So if you're interested in that, uh, please see her. 
I believe that's all the announcements that I'm going to make tonight. I just want to, remi- I want to remind all the adults that we'll be staying in here together tonight. Uh, we're going to begin a class on leadership, and I think it'll be a very exciting class, so please stay for that. Following the prayer, I'm going to lead one verse of a song, and I'm going to allow the teachers to go to class on that song. And what are y'all going to do when you get up to go to class? Walk. That's good. All right, let's pray. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all you do for us. We recognize our total and utter dependence upon you in all things. We pray, Father, that you would bless us. We pray that we'll always be thankful to you for all the the wonderful things you provide in a physical, material way, but most of all, those spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. We're mindful of many that are sick, Father, and we pray for their health. We pray for those that are attending their needs. We also pray, Father, for those that grieve and continue to grieve over losing loved ones. We pray that your uh, helping hand and uh, consolation will be upon them. We again ask your blessings upon this congregation. We, we want to uh, ask your blessings upon each member. Continue to bless our wonderful elders here as they lead us, and we pray for their wisdom. And Father, uh, be with us as we study your word tonight. May we try to apply what we learn to our lives, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right. Jesus loves the little children. stay there or (laughs) I guess you are all right well I have a list of sick people that I I keep this list I add to it and sometimes I take people off as they get better and my intention is to keep these folks before us as as long as we can just remembering their situation and hopeful that they'll improve and be back with us just as Ben and Joanne are back and uh, Martha, as she struggled with her foot for so long, she's back with us, and several others of you. I'm just thankful when God answers prayers like He does. And when I get through my list, if you have someone that you would like to add to the list, I'll be happy to put them on here, and uh, we'll be praying for them in the future too. 
Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. She's been ill for a long time. She's still relatively okay, although they, she li still lives in her home by herself, but they tend to her on a regular basis, and they would appreciate your prayers on her behalf. And as I mentioned, Martha's doing a lot better, and you see her around, and we're thankful for that. Austin Wentz is John and Wilda's grandson. He is enduring a long regimen of chemo treatments, and some of those are are very toxic to his body, so occasionally he, he really is, is very sick. Uh, Ann Stevens and Don Dawson both have health issues that keep them home. Kim Fowler is doing great. She got the boot off her foot. Isn't that, yay, that's, that's wonderful. So I guess I, I'm gonna start, maybe start erasing her name off of here, but we'll pray for her tonight. Remember the Davis family? Wade Davis has been missing for a long, long time now. And just want to remember Sue and their family. And I don't know how you get closure on something like this, but we just pray uh, that, that God will comfort them. Pray for Carolyn Wilcutt, and we'll look forward to seeing her again. Bobby Petty is Joe Garrett's friend. He has lung cancer. Doug's dad, Kelby, has not been well for quite a while. He has Parkinson's, and that has some health complications that come with it. Cody McGee's recovering from his foot surgery. Vanessa Williams has leukemia. She's a member at Snowdown. Chopper Taylor's suffering with severe leg pain. It's in both of his legs now. Larry Kennedy is Becky's brother-in-law. He's undergoing tests, and we, we pray they'll get to the bottom of his struggles. Cassie Stewart broke her elbow several weeks ago, and that's been a very painful experience for her. Danny Ramdahl is one of our missionaries in Guyana. He has stage four kidney failure. Um, Cheryl Hoffman's being treated for debilitating spinal pain. Marilyn Jones had hip surgery this past week. They had her up practically, you know, right after the surgery, and she seems to be doing well. Linda Beard is recovering at home from her knee surgery. Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Will Tennyson got his test results back and they were all great. So we're thankful for prayers being answered. Janice Taylor's mother-in-law fell. She sustained a lot of injuries and among those are punctured lung and pneumonia. Okay, she's at Landmark, okay? Uh, she's 92 years old. Okay. Uh, Anita's gonna be having a biopsy on Tuesday, so hoping that it reveals nothing at all. But uh, just please remember her if you don't mind. This creates some anxiety, as you can imagine. Uh, Diane White is going to be having cataract surgery on the 22nd. And Charles Moore is actually uh, one of the people that we help uh, at the food pantry. And he's especially came up uh, the other day. He's never had any kind of surgery whatsoever. So he was having cataract surgery, and he's really panicked about it. 
course, we had several working over there that have had that done, and they were like, no, big deal, and describing it for him. I'm not sure that made it better. <laughs> but but uh, JT and I had a prayer with him, and I, I, I think he felt better about it. But still, anytime you, you know, they talk about major and minor surgeries, you know what a major surgery is. That's the one you have. <laughs> so it's a major surgery for him. And I, I hope that, I hope we uh, gave him a little bit of comfort. Do you have anybody else you want to add? Yes, Martha. Okay, we will pray for Marilyn. Uh, yes, Larry? Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I, I, hope, I hope it reveals what the source of the problem is. Yes. tell you what we're going to be doing for the next few months. Father in heaven, thank you for a great day today. Thank you for the blessing of our fellowship together, for this family. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless us in our relationships with one another. 
We pray, Father, for those who have returned to us who've been sick or injured in some way, and we pray that they'll have continued progress and healing, but we're so glad that they're back and doing well, and we just pray full recovery for everybody. We also pray, Father, you'll bless these people that we've reviewed here who are suffering from all sorts of things. And these are friends and family that we're concerned about. We're praying for their healing, Lord. We pray your comfort on Irene Baker and her family. Bless Martha Eaton that she can enjoy a full recovery from her foot finally healing. We pray for Austin Wentz as he undergoes his treatments. We pray you'll have good days. Please bless Ann Stevens and Don Dawson as they have difficult circumstances with their health. We're so glad Kim Fowler is back on her feet and doing well. Bless the Davis family as Wade has been missing since June. We just pray comfort for his family and especially all of us enjoy this time of year. And I can only imagine how hard this must be as families gather with Wade missing. Pray for Carolyn Wilcutt that you'll bless her. Be with Bobby Petty as he has lung cancer. Bless Kelby Smith that he'll have some good days and that uh, his health will remain relatively good. We pray for Cody McGee in his recovery with his foot surgery. Bless Vanessa Williams as she has leukemia and the battle that she has. We pray for Chopper Taylor and... Lord, we, we pray for his pain management. We also pray that this MRI is going to reveal what the source of his trouble is. And then subsequent to that, we pray, Lord, they'll be able to come up with a plan, a strategy that will relieve this pain he's been dealing with. We pray for Larry Kennedy and his treatment. Bless Cassie Stewart that she can be pain-free not just from her shoulder, but the other things that she deals with. Please bless Danny Ramdahl as he has kidney failure. We pray that he can get treatment or medication that will help manage his problem. Bless Cheryl Hoffman that she can be free from her pain. We pray for Marilyn Jones and her recovery. That will be full one. Bless Linda Beard that she'll be back soon and walking freely. Bless Van Roberts in the battle with pancreatic cancer. We rejoice that Will Tennyson got a good report. We pray that will be the case from now on. We pray for Janice Taylor's mother-in-law as she sustained injuries. And we pray that her rehabbing over there at Landmark, her life there will be good. We pray for Anita as she has this biopsy on Tuesday. And we just pray it'll be negative for any serious problems. Pray for Diane White who's having cataract surgery. We pray it'll be a huge success. She'll be able to see better and especially be able to drive uh, safer in her situation. Uh, we pray for Charles Moore who's to have cataract surgery soon. We pray that that'll go well, we'll remove his anxieties from that. 
We pray for Marilyn, who's not feeling well. We miss her. She's a, a big personality, and we thank you for her, but we pray that as she's not feeling well, that uh, soon she'll be back amongst us. We ask your blessings on Paul Rollison, who has brain cancer, and I pray that Joe can be a, an encouragement to him. We pray for Sue's great-grandson, Hayden, who has sore throat and fever, not sure what the problem is, but we just pray that he'll not have to deal with that too very long. Please be with Joyce Morris as she fell and has sustained some injuries. We pray that she can heal from that and be back with us real soon. And uh, we pray for Caitlin, who has some complications from kidney stone. The result of that is some sepsis, and we just pray that infection can be dealt with and that she can feel better very soon. And Lord, bless us as we embark upon a new study, and I just pray it'll be profitable for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for your church and for the very simple way that you have chosen to manage it. But Lord, as in everything, help us to be good stewards, that as the church that we will function in a way that you intended and that we can grow internally to be certain that our futures very strong if you'll grant it. Thank you for the blessings inherent in being a member of your church. We thank you for hearing our prayer and for blessing us in our study tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so boy, seems like kind of a big deal, right? Combining all the classes into one to discuss church leadership. Now, if, if you think by that, since there's all of this kind of change in protocol that this is going to be some kind of scary and, I don't know, volatile, dynamite-lit sort of discussion, that's, that is just not my personality at all. I, I don't like to butt heads with anybody or get into controversy. But I will, I think this is okay. I'm just going to, as they say, lay all my cards on the table here and tell you why we're having this discussion. We have four elders, and we just sang about them. Does everybody know who they are? Should we sing the song? Okay, you may feel silly. I sang it there just a moment ago. In fact, we sing it a lot around our house. Uh, and the other day, I don't remember what the setting was, but we were mentioning the elders. I said, well, let's just sing it. And we just started singing the song. I love that. I think that's a great thing. So we do have four elders, four elders and good men, as you'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're terrific. And, and I do. And uh, uh, let me tell you something about these men, for instance. So... Every Monday morning, unless, you know, unless there's some unusual something that happens, every Monday morning at 10 o'clock, the elders meet, and typically Doug and I are in that meeting. Sometimes there will be other people invited, but almost always there are the six of us who discuss matters of the church here. Doug and I do not have a vote in that, but we're there to offer 
whatever wisdom, <laughs> don't laugh, but whatever wisdom that we might have <laughs> or experience and suggestions and we discuss you and what's happening here. And in those off moments when there are even more serious and deeper matters to talk about, then Doug and I are asked to leave the room, which always makes me nervous. How about you, Doug? <laughs> but we're, we're asked to leave the room, and then they go into, I, I, for lack of a better way of describing it, this would be the executive session. So they can talk about things that only they as elders will discuss. Now, among some of the things that they talk about, this list we just went over. If you end up on the prayer list, elders are going to be praying for you. Sometimes there are spiritual matters that are very serious in a congregation. You may wonder if so-and-so is praying for you, but I can tell you if the elders know about it, they're going to be praying about your situation out of love for you. This is a congregation that is blessed with four men in the leadership position of an elder, bishop, overseer, pastor who shepherd this congregation in a loving and very meaningful way. Now, they may make decisions that a majority of people agree with and a minority disagree with. You know what? Anytime you make a decision, there are going to be people who don't, don't like your decision. But I can tell you that every decision they make is made with a consideration for a lot of different views, and they pray over it. I've always been careful in making decisions to be sure that I pray about that before I ever come to a conclusion about it. I think that's the careful, deliberate way to approach any situation. You can just be assured when a decision is made, it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> I can absolutely assure you of that. It's always thoughtful and carefully considered. However, honestly, again, just putting all the cards on the table, four elders for a congregation that's between three and 400 people, that's a, that's a lot of people to manage. Wouldn't it be great if we had four more elders? Wouldn't it be great if we had men qualified for that position? So what we're trying to do has several different parts to it. Number one, we're going to do the thing that you would expect us to do. You and I, we're going to go to the scriptures and see what the Bible has to say about church leadership. That's going to be the educational aspect of it. As we're doing that, I would ask, especially our men, just as we're going through that, begin asking yourself, is that me? Is that me? Is that me? And by the time we get through it, I'm hoping that we will have answered some questions about that. Maybe... I don't know. Maybe we will have identified some men that we think are qualified biblically to serve as elders alongside the capable men that we already have. 
Maybe we'll identify some men who are capable as deacons that we can assign some works to do. Maybe we'll identify some women who can fill leadership roles, teaching, encouragement. I don't know what it is that we'll be able to tap, but I'm hoping that preparation through the study of God's Word is going to make possible the growth of this congregation to a new level altogether. So I'm going to ask a question here for us tonight, and then I'm going to strive with you to answer the question, and I have at least five different answers to this question. Why should I prepare myself to lead? Ken, this is kind of silly. We have leaders. Why would I prepare myself to lead? Why would I put myself in a position where I'm going to be called into question? You know? You know what happens? Maybe we're a little bit afraid to lead because we're afraid that when we finally do make that tough decision that we're going to be the object of ridicule and scorn. First of all, we would never do that, right? <clears throat> we would never do that. We would be subject to our elders, would we not? We would. We would not create a situation where they serve with sorrow, would we? Where they would feel like, man, I don't, you know what? If this is how it's going to be, I don't want to serve. No, we should, we should make it possible for them to serve with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. You know, that's a biblical concept altogether. So what we want to do is strive to make it such that it's just, oh, it is easy peasy to be an elder, to be a leader in this congregation. Now, here's something I just wanted to throw out before we even really got started. And I want to, I want to alleviate a little bit our notion of leadership. We talk about leadership a lot. In fact, here we are in the midst of a discussion of church leadership. But which of these two terms do you suppose is most used in the scriptures? Is it leader or is it servant? <laughs> it, it is hands down servant. So if you are going to be a leader in the church, guess what kind of leader you're going to be? You are going to be a servant leader. That means that you are going to be in a mind to lead people rather than to drive them. Okay? So what we're looking for is a servant mentality. Here, here is the truth that in the church, generally speaking, and that is not just here, but across the board, there is a lack of leaders and leadership. Now, when there is a lack of leadership, what happens to a church, do you suppose? It can do a couple of different things. One, it can die out. Without leaders, without shepherds in a congregation, what happens to the sheep? 
the biblical notion is that they become scattered. Yes, they go in every direction. Now that, that could be literally that they all leave and pack up and go somewhere else. It could be that doctrinally they do what? They go in every direction. And you talk about having a mess. So our minds can go in every direction. We, we have in the church, generally speaking, a shortage of leadership. I, I don't know why that is, but to me, uh, sometimes I, I read these statistics about churches or I hear about trends that are happening. And here's what I say to myself. I say, self, that might be how it is over there. But if I'm going to be working with the Lord's church, I, I don't want to see our congregation doing that. I want to see the church where I serve thriving. Don't you? Don't you want to see the church here in Boonville thrive? The way it is going to thrive is having competent servant leadership in place. Now, we're asking the question, why should I prepare myself to lead? And as we're reading that, I hope that you apply that to yourself. Why is it that I? Now, if, if that's you sitting there, make that personal. You ask yourself, why, why should I prepare myself to be a leader in this church right here in Boonville? A servant kind of leader. The first thing I'm going to suggest to you is that you need to prepare yourself because the cause needs you to serve. The cause, <laughs> the cause needs you to serve. What cause? The cause of Jesus Christ. You know what cause he's involved in. What did he say he came to do? Luke 19.10, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, when he was ascending to the Father, what did he tell his disciples their job was going to be? Well, they were going to take really that same concept. They were going to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So what Jesus had as a mission while he was among us was the same mission that he gave those apostles. And then in turn, according to Matthew 28, verse 19, what were they supposed to do? To teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So whatever happened between Jesus and his, well, apostles, was then in turn supposed to happen with what group of people? <coughs> the people that they taught, yes? And then, what do you suppose? On and on and on, right? Jesus was involved in the greatest cause that has ever existed in the world, the saving of men's souls. That is a cause that Jesus has invested through many generations of teaching in us, even to this time right now. Now, I understand people are involved in all kinds of causes, most of the time, if you're involved in a worldly cause, what's your motivation to do so? It's a, is it a self-motivation? Usually. Now, it might benefit other people, but most likely the thing that drives you to do it 
has some kind of internal personal benefit to it. Let me describe for you the cause for which we serve. One aspect of this cause is evangelistic, the teaching of the gospel. Now, we have a famous reader here in this class. His nickname is Hollywood. But Hollywood is going to read for us Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. You know this by heart, but listen to it read. Tell me again. Mark 15. Mark 16, 15 15 and 16. I knew that. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay. Is that a simple message altogether? It is simple. You're going to go out there and you're going to preach this simple message. Your job is to go out there in this cause and do what part? What is your part in that? To teach the message, right? You're going to preach that. And then in response, as they respond to that, they'll be baptized. If they don't and they perish, whose fault is that? That's their fault. You you have preached them. You have satisfied the, the, the teaching of Jesus to go. Our leaders need to lead, have a mentality of service in regard to this great cause of sharing the gospel with the whole world. But Jesus also had a very benevolent spirit. So benevolence is also a part of what a servant leader is going to be involved in. Going to lead the way toward reaching those who are in need. Uh, Look at James chapter 1 and verse 27 to begin with. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Okay, to visit the fatherless and the widows. Anybody know what visit really means? Does it mean just go kind of stop by, hey, how y'all doing? Literally, to visit means to care for. I'm going to see to the need that exists. You will see Jesus oftentimes extending himself to those that he saw as the, the bottom rung of society. Uh, not useless human beings, that is not my point, but those who have been oppressed or are in great need in some way. You and I, uh, even, even from our own home, we can lead the way for Jesus in the care of those who are less fortunate. And then kind of a, just a, 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 a spattering of, of different acts that we can do is Matthew 25, verses 35-36. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Okay, so we see to a variety of needs, but in every single one of those, that, which direction is this care going? Are you doing this hoping that you're going, that person's going to reciprocate? 
No, they're hungry. You're just offering, you're not thinking, okay, one of these days, you know, I'm going to get those groceries back. That's not not the attitude. I've got to get those. No. Here's somebody who's need. I'm going to, that's going in one direction. That is true agape love. And that is the very heart of the kind of love that we have. Yes? John chapter 13. Okay, so also one aspect of what we do is it's encouraging one another. And will you read Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, now what I, wanna, what I just want to point to here is that you notice there's a list. Let's just call them offices. There are different roles to be played. Some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers. He gives a whole list of roles that had to be fulfilled. We, we could say, well, these were offices. These were, these were placehold responsibilities. People could identify a person by the label that was put on them as to what this person can accomplish. But all of those roles, irrespective of the value in the congregation itself were all combined for the purpose of doing what to the church? Edifying it, building it up, helping it to become a complete and cohesive whole, a a one body, everybody working together. Look, it doesn't happen by accident. We don't just show up one day and say, well, you know, so-and-so does this and -and so-and-so does this and it just kind of works. That, That isn't how anything works. There's always a plan, at least behind the scenes, in ordering these things so that the work of the Lord is done. Now, here's something that I want to stress as very, this is going to be in Matthew chapter 9, something that's very important that I'm hoping all of us will start to do now and not stop doing. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 35 through 38, if you'll read those verses. This is a part all of us can play as we're thinking about filling roles of leadership in our congregation. Go. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. What do you think I want you to be praying for? Lord, what? Send what? Forth what? Boy, you're a tough crowd. We're going to pray that the Lord will send forth these laborers into the harvest. How is the harvest going to be gathered if there are no laborers? Do you know? Shake your head this way. No, we don't know. So what we want to do is pray that the Lord will send them. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we are the laborers. Yes, you with me? We are those laborers. So here's what I want to pray. Lord, send us into that. Okay, Ken, we need somebody just kind of lead us on out there. Just kind of, you know, take the front. 
okay, where are we going to find those people? Since we're praying that we're going to do it, where are we going to find those people? We're going to find them right here. So what we are striving to do in the midst of this congregation is to prepare, at least prepare ourselves or inform ourselves as to what is necessary to be in that position. And then with just confidence and enthusiasm and determination to accomplish the cause of Jesus Christ, we will step into a role and lead this congregation on. Uh, Jim, how long do you plan to live? Long as the Lord will let me. Um, maybe you'll live to be 110. I don't know. But if you live to be 110 even, at the end of 110, who's going to take your place? Somebody from right here. Think about that. Think about that. Because if that doesn't happen, then where will our leadership be? We won't have any. And what will happen to the sheep? They will become scattered. The work, not just the cause, but the work needs you to serve or to lead this congregation. Uh, what do you mean the work? Have you ever looked at the bulletin? You see all the stuff that happens in that bulletin? In fact, there's always this discussion about do we revamp the bulletin? Do we try to find a font that is like microscopic? Because there are so many things that happen in this church. Question, how does all of that happen? Do we just wake up one day and the bulletin's just full of stuff? Oh, it's Jimmy. She's just magical. She just comes up with all of these things. This stuff just, it just happens. We just wake up one day, we've got the bulletin. It's full of activity that just happens. Let me tell you something. Jimmy is a fabulous worker in this congregation, but she is not the head of every work that goes on around here. In fact, if you ask her about that, she'd just laugh at you. Are you serious? Really? No. Here's so-and-so. They're in charge of this and this one, this. Of course, she's probably the only one who knows everybody who's in charge of everything. But she, she realizes that in this congregation, there are all sorts of people doing all kinds of things. There is work to be done. But that work has to be organized. There has to be a commitment made to the planning, the orchestration of all that happens. If, if you are sick, if you are sick, you fear that you've got some serious malady, do you just say, you know what, that's fine, I'll just walk it off. I'll just get better. I've got good genes. No, the likelihood is either you will decide this or your spouse or uh, maybe one of your kids will just insist, you have got to go to the doctor. Now, why do we go to the doctor? Why can't we just get on Google and ask Google what's wrong with us? Because, because that doctor has been studying health and health management and disease and its cure for how long? You know, continually studying it. Uh, the other day when Anita went to the doctor for, for the various scans that she had. She was amazed at the ultrasound. Have you ever had an ultrasound done? You say, hey, can I see that? They put it up on the screen, and what do you do? You go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at it, and you're like, 
what is this? You know, what is this? And that tech will then say, well, now this is this. Here's what we're seeing. And well, now, you know, we saw it this last time. They put up this other slide and you go. And they say, do you see that? And you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I see that. You, you don't. You haven't had the years and the years and the years of experience. You don't watch and look at, at those slides day in and day out. Maybe, maybe tens or even hundreds of slides every day, week after week after week. When you are involved in it like that, you get the experience and the know-how to make a decision about somebody's health. That's why you're qualified to make those decisions. Why does the Bible qualify men for various roles in the church? So that they can be equipped to do what for us? To lead us, to, to, to give direction as to how this thing ought to go. We ought not just get bent out of shape every time a decision doesn't go the way we want it to go. What we should do is back up and say, wait a minute, someone probably more wise with more experience has thought this through as well. And here is the determination that they have made. I might not like it, but I ought to at least respect that what they have decided to do is for my benefit. Because after all, what do they watch out for? They watch out for our souls. You cannot leave a situation without some kind of leadership in it. Uh, we had a, a sermon about this not too long ago. Remember Judges chapter 2 and, and verse 10? What happened there? There was a generation that came after the previous generation who did not know the Lord nor the work that He had done for Israel. As a result of that, what happened to them? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And in response to that, how did God act? Well, you've got the rest of the book of Judges. I mean, God is like, no, I'm going you're, you're to gonna deliver you to your enemies. You know, I'm going to send you to the plunderers. You are not going to behave this way. Well, what had happened? Here's a generation that came along. The, oh, they had been blessed with, with Joshua, you know, that great leader. But what was their contingency plan? What are we going to do when Joshua is gone? Uh, we don't know. Maybe he'll, well, like Jim, maybe he'll live to be 110 years old, right? But then he died. Who's going to lead us now? Well, we've got goodwill. Things are fine. We'll just continue as we're going. Does that work? It, it does not it does not work. Third, the lost need you to serve or lead. The lost. Uh, Hollywood, he likes that, don't you? You see? Uh, John chapter 8, verses 21 to 24, and also Ephesians 2 and verse 12. John chapter 8, 21 to 24. 
Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he hath, whether I go, you cannot come. He saith, whether I go, you cannot come. And he, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Okay, let me ask you this question. This simple question, you just read the text, and it's, it's actually stated several times. If, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, what, what's going to happen? You're going to be lost. He said you are going to die in your sins, which then... Well, it makes the point, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then nothing's going to happen with your sins. You're going to die in them. Okay? Do you want to see the people you know die in their sins? No. Don't we need somebody to lead us out there and to reach the lost? Don't we? Don't we just need to just, just have someone mount up the charge and lead us out there? Yes, we do. And then Ephesians 2 verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. No hope and without God. Without God means on the outside. You're on the outside. Not on the inside, not on, in Christ. Outside. Having no hope and not having God anywhere near you. We want anybody in our life to be in that situation? Check your head this way. The lost need somebody to lead us out there and to reap the harvest, yes? So here's what we're going to do as we close tonight. We're going to be praying that God send forth those laborers. But you and I know who it is we're praying that he'll send, yes? Are we all committed that God can just send us out? If you don't want to be sent, raise your hand. I'll leave your name out. God send us out. And lead, find us leaders to take us where we need to go. Yes? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the effort that we're putting forth to learn about leadership. And Father, I pray that these challenges that are laid before us, the reason for being prepared has so many components to it. But Father, I pray that we would prepare ourselves to lead just from the standpoint of of the cause that we're a part of, from, from the work that is being done, and, and to reach out to the lost. And Father, I pray first of all that you will identify those leaders among us who have, have already prepared themselves and are ready to take the lead for this congregation. I pray also for those who aren't quite ready, but who are striving and, and making strides to be the people that you want us to be so that we can satisfy the importance of having leadership for the future to be sure that we don't allow not even one generation to lapse in the knowledge of you. And then Father, I pray all of us that you would use us, whether we serve in a leadership capacity out front or whether we serve as leaders in the midst of this congregation, that we would do whatever is within our ability to do to accomplish great things for you. Thank you for your cause, your work, 
and thank you for your love for the lost. Help that to be our love too. Help us to lead in such a way as to arrive at the destination that you have prescribed, the salvation of all. Thank you for the privilege to serve and thank you for those among us who are as yet unidentified, who can lead us in a very servant way into a future that you will bless. In Jesus' name, amen.